Therefore, what is earthly in you? Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here, there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Wives, submit to your husbands, as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives, and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ, for the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. So far, the reading of Holy Scripture. Let's now sing Psalm 16, the stanzas 1, 4, and 5. proclaim to you the word of our God as we find that in Colossians chapter 3. We'll be focusing on the verses 1 through 4. These words, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So far. And after the sermon, we will sing Psalm 73, the stanzas 8 and 9.
theme for the sermon is, You are in Christ, therefore set your heart and mind on things that are above. And this rests on Christ's present position, past deeds, and future glory. Dear brothers and sisters, in our Lord Jesus Christ, if you were to go out into the streets of any major city and were to ask people what comes to your mind when you hear the word Christian, you'd be sure to get a whole range of different reactions. Some might respond by suggesting a Christian is generally a good person who goes to church at least a few times a year, is moral, follows what the Bible teaches. And others might think quite negatively of Christians as right-wing social conservatives, people who are anti-abortion, bigoted, and homophobic. Now take the same question and personalize it. Ask your colleagues at work, people in your school, your neighborhood, the people that you you meet regularly, perhaps in your apartment building. Ask them, what do you think it means for me and to me that I am a Christian? How do you think they would respond? Would they give the answer you'd be hoping they'd give? How would your close friends respond, including your Christian friends? How would your parents, your children, your brothers and sisters in the church reply? Would people know it from the way we do business, our postings on social media, the way we are together as young people, the way we act in public and carry on in our families, what we do during the years of our retirement, would people know that we understand what it means to be a true Christian? Let's take this one step closer to home. How do you describe yourself? When someone asks you about your faith and about your your worldview. Now, most commonly, we will describe ourselves as being Christian. This is our description of choice. But should it be? How helpful is, is it to call ourselves Christian in our present political and cultural climate? Very interestingly, Christian is not the New Testament go-to term for believers. Did you know that in all his letters, the Apostle Paul never uses the word Christian to describe believers? Instead, he uses the term in Christ over 80 times and in the Lord over 40 times. And besides these two terms, he also speaks about us being in him, referring to Christ, and being with him. And that's stunning, isn't it? But it also helps us understand our identity and what is at the heart of being Christian. 
Being a Christian is not merely living a morally pleasing life or following a set of rules and regulations that find their origin in the Bible. Being Christian is so much more than going to church or being spiritual or opposing secular culture and the thinking of the day. When we understand what it means to be in Christ, then we will also realize that we should not be known in the community simply by the things we are against. We should be known by who we are. The reason why we are to refrain from sexual immorality, greed, lying, gossiping, and slander, things mentioned in this chapter, is because Christ is our life. And everything we do needs to be consistent with what he has done for us and in us. Being in Christ changes us. And that's because God, who is rich in mercy, out of the great love with which he has loved us, has made us sit with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. That's our present position. And this is why we are to rid ourselves of everything that is inconsistent with this new reality and identity. God has delivered us from the dominion of darkness, and he has transferred us to the kingdom of his Son. Paul writes to the Colossians in chapter 1, verse 13. So the very nerve of being a Christian is our union with Christ. He is the ground of our security because our lives are all wrapped up and hidden in him. Oh, for sure. We will have times when we slip and drift and, like the prodigal son, wander from the father. There will be times when for a season we are not walking with Christ the way we once did. But for every true believer, there is always the desire to return to the place where we are hidden and wrapped in his love and in the embrace of his mercy and care. Our life is in Christ, which means we have died to self and have been raised with Christ to a new life. And since he is in heaven and we are and since he is in heaven we are to seek the things that are above where he is and in doing so we will come to see how destitute hopeless lonely life is without Christ in him and in him alone there is fullness of joy as we sang about that in Psalm 16 And since we have been brought into union with Christ, there is only one way of being a true Christian. We set our hearts and we set our minds on the things that are above where Jesus is. Colossians 3, which ignites in us the desire to seek the things that are above, introduces what is called the practical section of Paul's letter to the Colossians. It's quite typical of the apostle 
that when he gives practical instruction to the churches, he first of all lays down a solid doctrinal foundation for them. And this is what you find in the first chapters of this letter as well. In chapters 1 and 2, Paul gives an exposition of Christ and his supremacy. And then in chapters 3 and 4, he gives an explanation as to how we, who are in Christ, are to live in a way that is consistent with what he has expounded. Paul proclaims to the Colossian believers the supremacy and all-sufficiency of Christ. And he lays down this glorious gospel before them as if he were spreading out the most beautiful quilt and tapestry. How exquisite and marvelous. Jesus, their Savior, is before all things and in him all things hold together. He says in chapter 1, verse 17. And Paul makes a point of this to show the supremacy of Christ in order to combat the error and false teaching troubling this church. He shows them that these false teachers really had nothing to offer them. These false teachers introduced elements from Greek philosophy and Jewish theology and corrupted the Christian religion, claiming it was possible for believers to overcome the powers of darkness simply by trying harder, by putting their minds to spiritual matters. They asserted that the Colossians could live in closer contact with God by a strict observance of various rules and regulations. And by making such assertions, these false teachers denied the sovereign majesty, supremacy, and complete adequacy of Christ as perfect Savior and Lord. In response, Paul makes crystal clear that this is not the manner in which the gospel was presented to the Colossians. The way in which Christ was received was not through some work righteousness, but by God's sovereign grace and mercy. Christ is the head of the church, and all the fullness of God dwells in him. He is unique, and therefore he is all-sufficient for us as members of his body. We are complete in him. And anything that seeks to add to Christ will only impoverish and bankrupt our faith. Well, on the basis of these fundamentals, the apostle encourages the Colossians to live the Christian life. Having been raised with Christ, we live in a new sphere and realm. Christ is our life. We have been moved into a radically new environment. Having been raised with Jesus, we are no longer in the realm of death and corruption, but life. No longer in the realm of darkness, but light. No longer in the realm of slavery, but freedom. Well, if all our fullness is in Christ, 
how then shall we live? Paul says, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. Where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. In other words, why listen to the false teachers who stain the gospel tapestry with their legalistic demands of do this and don't do that? Seek your life where it really is. So what does it mean to seek the things that are above and to set our minds on the things that are above? Well, it means very simply to hold on to Christ as the center and the source of your life and of your joy. You see, there should be nothing in this world that gives me more joy than knowing that I am adopted into the family of God and brought into union with His Son. My greatest earthly happiness cannot compare with the joy that comes to me in knowing Jesus Christ as my Lord and being in Him. And when I seek the things that are above, I don't need something from the here and now to make me happy, to make me face Monday, to make the week bearable, or to somehow give me satisfaction. Seeking the things that are above is to seek the things of my salvation. Christ, who is my life, my redeemer, and my mediator, is there. Heaven, as where I find the fullness of joy in Christ. All the grace, mercy, love, and blessings I need are in Him. And this is why I invest my time and effort into the eternal and abiding realities of heaven. Yes, beloved, this is what it is. Your forgiveness is in him who is above. Your righteousness and holiness is in Christ who is above. Your new life, your strength, your ability to face a new day are in him. Your ability to love God and to love one another comes from above. Your access to God through the mediator is from above. Your future. As a young person. Is from above. And since your life and salvation is in Christ who is above. We are to pursue the things of our salvation. As they are in Christ. Set your minds, your love, your devotion on him and give him the praise and worship he receives in heaven. So in answer to the statement of the apostle, I must ask myself, do I really seek the things that are above? Do I know what it means to set my heart and my mind on Christ, to know him as the the focus Of all my joy, if my wife, my children, my grandchildren, my health, 
my mobility, my dreams and aspirations, if everything that I love and cherish were taken from me? Would my heart still be lifted up within me, knowing that my life is hidden in the all-sufficient Christ? And by now you will realize that when we set our hearts and minds on the things above, this is far more than a casual and passing glance. It is a persistent looking up. Oh, we all have the casual glance down pat, don't we? But what about the persistent looking up to the Lord Jesus who is seated at the right hand of the Father who is there praying, making intercession for us in all our needs, in all our situations of life, including those times of anxiety and the difficulties that we face in the day-to-day running family life. Most of you with grandchildren will have a special place in your home that even the little ones know about. We have a cupboard in our kitchen that seems to have a a magnetic pull drawing the grandchildren there as soon as their parents announce it's time to go home. And they go there and stand there looking up and seeking the things that are above. And sometimes making funny gestures with their hands as they do so. They have their hearts and their minds set on what is above, above, hidden from their eyes, behind the cupboard door. Because they know that there is a massive stash of Skittles hidden away in there. And they will get some before they go home. So in those moments before going home, they do not give the cupboard a passing glance and then walk on. No, they have their eyes fixed on it. Well, brothers and sisters, maybe that example will give you a starting point for talking to your children about what should characterize the lives of those who are in Christ. You see, when we are serious and sincere about seeking the things that are above, people will know us as a church with our gaze directed to and fixed on Jesus. And the consequences will be immense and life-changing. Our gathering for worship and our congregational Bible studies will be a priority Because we will give the word of Christ more than a passing glance. Seeking the things above. You will value corporate worship as a precious gift entrusted to you. Allowing you to have sweet fellowship with Christ. Who is seated at the Father's right hand. Setting your heart and mind on the place where Jesus is seated the place of holiness and intercession and power that involves reprogramming your heart and mind 
so that your perspective on life here is different. You will learn to see the things on this earth as God sees them. You will look at your spouse as God sees your spouse. You will look at the opposite sex as God sees men and women. You will see your earthly possessions, your schooling, your work as God sees them. Only by being in union with Christ will you and I seek the things that are above. Everything you need as a child of God is in Christ. And being in Him, your life is so amazingly full that you do not need earthly things. And not only are we to set our hearts and minds on the things above because Christ, of Christ's person, but also because heaven displays his past deeds. That's our second point. Setting our hearts and our minds on the things above is comparable to mountain climbing. You have your eye on getting to the top, but the way up is not always straightforward. Sometimes the walk up will be quite pleasant and the path level. And at other times you will find yourself on rugged, treacherous, and even dangerous terrain. Sometimes you will be covered by dark shadows or you have to go down in order to get higher. You may not see the peak because you are up against a steep rock. Yet all along your mind is set on the peak. The desire to reach the top keeps you going. You set your mind on the things above. That's your destination and the reason why you are willing to put up with inconveniences. Well, as we climb the mountain and set our mind on the things that are above, the Lord gives us wonderful support to our feet. And that support is in Christ's deeds. The death, resurrection, ascension, and return of Christ motivate us to set our minds on the things which are above. We have a new identity. And since you have died with Christ, you no longer are associated with the old way of life. And that's why it would be completely inconsistent to live the old way you once did. Through Christ, you died to sin. But you have also been raised to a new life. And since you have a new identity in the risen Christ, you should live in a new way that is consistent with the new you. Christ rose victorious to a heavenly and incorruptible life. He did that as our head and representative. And as surely as he came forth from the grave, your life is transformed from death to life. It is no longer you who live, but Christ lives in you. Paul makes two beautiful and profound statements. He says, your life is hidden with Christ in God. 
And then he also says, Christ who is your life. You see, the life of the congregation is bound up with Christ and has union with him. Since Christ is in heaven and your life is hidden with him, since he is your life, where do you think your heart should be? Where do you think your mind should be? The direction of your life should be upward to where Christ is. Christ is seated at the right hand of God, having been given a position of divine honor and authority. And is it then any wonder that we are to set our minds on the things above? He is worthy. He is worthy of love, affection, worship, and praise. Jesus alone sits at the Father's right hand, receiving worship as the only Redeemer. He is sitting because this position of honor was given to him by his Father, having accomplished and finished his redemptive work. Our seeking is an unceasing activity. It's not an aimless wandering. Oh, my feet are planted on this earth. I have earthly cares. I have children to protect, feed, teach, and look after. I have work to do. I have an earthly mission to proclaim the gospel where Christ gives opportunity. I have earthly ties in the congregation. But all of that must be done with a holy zeal and love for Christ. With our hearts lifted up on high to Christ. Well, when our focus is on heaven, there is nothing that is trivial. And at the same time, we look to heaven for our help and aid, knowing Christ will provide guide, and look after our earthly needs. He will give us the grace to endure so that where he is, we may be also. This brings us to our last point. For the last major deed of Christ is yet to come. His return gives us an incentive to keep going and to keep seeking the things that are above And isn't it remarkable? As we seek the things that are above, he seeks his people below. His mind is set on the things that are on earth, on the gathering and the protection of his church. And when he returns, we will appear with him in glory. We know Jesus is in heaven. Even our little little ones know that. You ask them a question, where is Jesus? And they will tell you he's in heaven. They know that. Even though you cannot see him. And yet with the eye of faith we have hope. Now he is hidden. But he will be made known. 
He will be revealed to us as our exalted Lord and Savior. And what a day. What a day that will be when we will be able to see Him with the physical eye. And when He appears, we too will appear with Him in glory. And that's because He shares everything with us. He died for us. He rose for us. He is seated at the right hand of the Father for us. He makes intercession for us. And when He comes back, He will not forget us. When He appears, we will appear with Him in glory. Oh, today we see dimly what we really have in Christ, but then we shall see what great glory Christ has obtained for us. Well, let this be an incentive to keep us seeking the things that are above. Brothers and sisters, Jesus is coming back with glory for you and for me. So as you travel this earthly road, a life which knows much trouble and distress, but also much joy, set your hearts and your minds on the things that are above. Seek them with all your being and with all you have. For when Christ returns, you will see how worthwhile it was to seek the things which are above. Yes, standing on the peak of everlasting life, you will enjoy blessings and see glory like you never saw it before. Amen.